It's Thursday, January 29th, 2015. This is the Hermetic Hour. I'm your host, Phil Grunion. And tonight we present a discussion and a review on a newly published collection of Old Testament pseudographia, apocryphal works, edited by Richard Malcolm, James R. Davila, and Alexander Panayotov. Uh, and this is from Erdman's, that is a pretty well-known publisher of of uh, biblically-related material. Uh, now, what makes this 800-page doorstopper of particular interest to us is the legend of Melchizedek and Solomon's hydromancy, which is very similar to the medieval greater key of Solomon, and might be a later version of the key's original source. Now, tonight I'll be joined by biblical scholar Frater Solomon, who first discovered this very interesting publication and brought it to my attention. So, if you want to hear about some strange old magical manuscripts that have just come to light, tune in and we'll delve into this to this collection. So, um, now, as Frater Solomon on... Uh, Mike, are you there? What? He isn't on yet. All right, he'll, he'll, he'll be calling in very shortly. Let me uh, um, set some background on this this thing. This uh, uh, is a is a very very uh, substantial tome, and you could literally use it as a doorstop, and that's why I refer to it as a doorstopper. It's eight hundred over eight hundred pages long, and. Yeah, okay. Uh, Father Solomon, are you there? Father Solomon, are you there? Do you hear me? Here, can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. I can hear you fine. And we're just getting started. What? Oh, good, good. Okay. Okay, yeah, stay with us. some uh, fun stuff to talk about tonight. Oh, we sure do. Okay, this is uh, this book is uh, called Old Testament... Uh, pseudographia and uh, subtitled more non-canonical scriptures and I've already mentioned the uh, the three editors uh, and uh, the uh, most of these most of these it says Old Testament most of these uh, uh, examples in, in in this book are actually uh, they were written uh, after the uh, after the the death of Christ. These are post, uh, they're Old Testament, but they what they've done here is these, and most of them are, are the, the uh, creation of Christian writers. But what they're doing is they're writing, uh, they're writing what uh, purports to be Old Testament uh, material, and they're elaborating on on Old Testament material. A lot of this uh, uh, this work is elaborations on Old Testament material, and uh, but it's. All of them, uh, virtually all of them that I've examined in this collection, and I have to admit I haven't examined all of them because it's pretty, it's, I mean, this thing is 800 pages long and it weighs about five pounds. And um, <laughs> so uh, the, uh, most of them are, are uh, uh, they're, they're, they're promoting a Christian point of view. They, they are, uh, uh, 
they they are seen from a Christian perspective, and their intention is to support uh, New Testament uh, 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 New Testament material, and especially uh, their particular viewpoint of whatever church that uh, they happen to be writing from. Uh, for instance, uh, this is an example. The legend of Melchizedek, which we'll be talking about, uh, is has been attributed uh, to Athanasius, the third century bishop of Alexandria, Christian bishop of Alexandria, not to be confused with Athanasius Kircher, the Jesuit, uh, during the Renaissance. Uh, of course, uh, Athanasius obviously, uh, Kircher obviously took his first name uh, from from the famous uh, bishop, uh, the Archbishop of, of Alexandria, who was, a, in a way, a sort of a pope. In fact, they 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 called him at one time or another the Alexandrian Pope. Uh, and uh, so we have uh, that 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 legend of Melchizedek. Uh, is one we'll discuss, and we are also going to be discussing a a very interesting uh, apocryphal work, which is also uh, uh, post-Christian uh, and written by obviously by and probably written by Christian uh, Christian uh, writer uh, called the the Hygromancy uh, Hygromancy the Divination by Water uh, of Solomon. And uh, this this is really fascinating because uh, this is a, actually this book is a grimoire and it and it's and it has so much magic in it and so huge big long catalogs of angels and demons and uh, and magical uh, conjurations and operations and a great deal of astrology and uh, especially elective astrology. In fact, this uh, you, you might say that this is a grimoire of elective astrology. And you can go. Uh, they got a demon for every hour of the day, <laughs> and uh, uh, this uh, what I the, the way this thing starts out. It starts out with Solomon uh, uh, Solomon um, uh, lecturing to his son Reboam, which is exactly the way the, the Greater Key. If you those of you who have a copy of the Greater Key of Solomon and have read it. And realize that that's just exactly the way the greater key of Solomon, the medieval grimoire that we most of us have in our library shelf, that's exactly the way it starts out. My son Reboam, you know, and I'm going to give you all this, these secrets of my magic. And that's so it it, uh, it indicates that maybe maybe this is a later version, this particular uh, version of of, uh, of this uh, uh, this Solomon Solomon's hygromancy. Uh, what is it? Uh, how do you pronounce that, uh, Mike? I, I forget. Hygromancy uh, well, uh, would be correct. Hygromancy, yeah, yeah, yeah. Hygromancy. It's, it's divination by water, um, and uh, this uh, the divination method, of course, by water is to is to to stare down into a into a silver bowl full of water. And so it is a magic mirror. It's the original. It's it's the original kind of uh, reflection magic, and uh, and and that, of course, you know, eventually evolves into the magic mirror and the triangle. Uh, now, uh, it, 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 you want to talk a little bit about this this uh, this book, uh, Mike? I've been holding forth on it. What uh, what's your oh, take absolutely. on it? Absolutely. 
Now, um, if you look in the section date and provenance, because um, I missed this too, I, I noticed um, the Megaton, I, I think, uh, dates to around, uh, what, when does that date to? Um, is like uh, 1400? Oh, the earliest, the earliest Le Megaton we have is in Scott's Discovery of Witchcraft, and that's around 15. Uh, uh, 1580 or something like that. Uh, but that's the yep. earliest one we have, but they're much, they, they must have been earlier ones. But that, but, but right. what I'm talking about, actually, this this book, though, this this Solomon's uh, Hygromancy, even though Hygromancy is like uh, is like the, 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 the more like the Lamegaton, more like the Goetia, but uh, this particular book, uh, this Solomon's uh, Hygromancy, is more like the greater key. Not the lesser key. This is the way the, the style, the, way the the style of it, and and the, and the structure of it. It's more like the, the greater key. Um, now my and, intuition, uh, uh, my my um I- intuition on this poke is um the the oldest manuscript uh, is fifteen hundred uh, uh, from this particular set of texts. That's when it's dated to. However. Yeah. Um, that's kind of like our, our New Testament. Our, the oldest manuscripts are maybe like 200, uh, 300 A.D. However, uh, in the section on date and providence, um, and this is going to be interesting, it says that this book uh, was written between uh, 400, 500 uh, A.D. So, um, so, so that means this book is actually probably old, much older than we actually thought it was um, when, you're, when you're talking about going back that early. However... Well, yeah. uh, Reflecting back on um, Joseph and Asenath and um, the lost gospel that we found, I, I dug something up. I, I've got another set of Old Testament pseudepigrapha. This um, this more man, non-canonical scriptures is actually, even though it's its own set because it, it's done a couple decades after the original, it's a continuation of um, a two-volume set called the Old Testament pseudepigrapha with no subtitle. And um, mm-hmm. I look back over our story of Joseph and Asenath, and um, uh, the overlay is amazing. They have the heavenly manna, which is honey, and, and they have Michael the archangel and um, Asenath in his tower repenting. But um, it, what, what this actually does is it shows just how old our Goetic tradition is. It's specifically talking about that, um, that mirror in a circle, uh, because that's what Joseph used. Joseph used a silver bowl filled with water, and he did his divination in that. And that's actually in the Old Testament. So we know that that was actually something that predates Solomon, which means Solomon himself, if he was a prophet um, conjuring these jinn according to legend, this might have actually been something he was doing where he had this uh, circle before him, and it was like a mirror on the ground because it was... Uh, easier to, to put water in a silver bowl than it would have been to smoke a mirror. And uh, maybe, maybe there was a triangle that was around it back then. Um, that's difficult to reconstruct at this point. But that means our Goetic tradition is extremely old. And uh, it's, it's older than we thought it was um, before yesterday. Oh, well, uh, yes, I, I definitely agree with you. In fact, uh, well, we theorized, as you recall, in... in uh, in the Magic of Solomon uh, video and also in the in the book, that uh, uh, this 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 phenomenon of of, uh, of conjuring on your own reflection probably goes back to the Paleolithic with with the, our Paleolithic ancestors 
uh, kneeling down by a creek and seeing their reflection in the creek. Uh, and, and then as they stared, as they stared at it, it would uh, perhaps shift and, and, and change, and they thought that they were seeing something supernatural, and, and, uh, and uh, that, uh, they, they probably started there. And then I went ahead, and knowing that, uh, that obsidian mirrors were used in Katao Hoyuk uh, 9,000 years ago, I theorized that uh, some uh, some priestess was sitting there in there in uh, in her uh, chamber in Katalhoyuk in Turkey, uh, you know, you know, uh, staring into an obsidian mirror with a, with a couple of little oil lamps on either side, and she putting her makeup on for a ceremony or something like that, and she's staring at her face and starts to see a an apparition in her reflection, and then you know well, the. And then the priest would be standing behind her, and, oh, yeah. and he and and and, and they then then they would discover how to do this, and that could have been nine thousand years ago in uh, that phenomenon. So no, this has been around a long, 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 long time. Uh, the, the the magic on the reflection, and in the Kabbalah, as you know from Ira Kaplan, they have the metal mirrors that they they use the metal attributed to the planets, and they polish them. And uh, and they called they they called that 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 type of mirror an ispiklarian. Uh, so this has been around a long long time. Um, what do you think about uh, about the uh, uh, the astrological aspects of of this uh, this uh, Solomon's hygromancy? And that's that's fascinating, isn't it? Ooh, it means we got a lot of work to do. <laughs> There's, this just opened a whole new, uh, you know, a whole new ball of wax of, of material that we can start to go over and splice through and see how we can apply it. It's, um, it's very exhausting. And the cool thing is, it also um, it says a particular power um, associated with each hour of each day of the week. So, if you really want to key in on something that you need um, work on, um, like uh, the twelfth hour of uh monday um is to set up a business so if you want to set up a business then um th- then set up to uh do some channeling on the 12th hour and the good thing is there are um there, there's plenty of hours of the day where you can get really good things like uh, if you have to wait till the 24th hour you have open your workshop so um uh, begin selling on the 5th hour there's just a, a whole lot of uh, provincial times that you can really key in on if you really want to uh, channel the astrological aspect because it gives you the planet um it's going to give you power as well as the day and the planet associated with that day um oh, and you mentioned demons every hour the, the good news you know how we we uh discovered how useful the shemham prash is there's also an angel for each yeah it is it's like <laughs> the angel matched up with the goetia yeah yeah, and so it's a whole new set yeah. of angels. Yeah, and and well, I was just I'm very fascinated with it, and I think, as I said in the abstract to begin the show, I suspect that what we what we're looking at here is uh, has an original that goes back a lot lot further than the 1500s. I think it goes oh, way yeah, back. Author is around 400 500 AD. So um, that's. That's really, really old. And the cool thing yeah. is that also means this text worked because 
This text is able to last a thousand years in small circles with people being able to use it with good results. And that really is a testament to just how effective and powerful our system is. Our system is not something that sprang up out of nowhere. We know it goes back, like you said, 9,000 years. They were, they were using it. And we know that this circle, because bulls are a circle, and that's what Joseph used. Uh, um, he used a silver bowl with water. That means the mirror that was used was originally a circle. It wasn't a square or, or, well, it wasn't a square. It was actually a circle. So so we have a tradition that is extremely ancient, and um, it, it's really, it, it's an awesome way that we have to connect to all these different aspects of our consciousness. When we look at our reflection, we really, we look at them. Yeah. Well, okay, uh, so I that agree was with a, you, and, and I think this is, this is something that, that we, uh, um, you know, I'm I'm not uh, I'm not uh, trying to get uh, uh, to make uh, Malcolm and Davila and and Penyotov's uh, thing a bestseller here, but but those who are people who are really really interested in Solomon in in in, in Solomon's magic, and really yeah, they they really ought to ought to have a look at this and and and. Uh, uh, so, um, um, uh, you know, uh, if, 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 if you got to take a look at it and also, uh, compare, and we don't have a, an English translation yet of a, um, of another book that, that, that is similar to this called the, Sh- the Sefer Shalomo, which is literally the book of Solomon and, uh, as you know, translated. And this is Hebrew. I know. Uh, uh, David Scriven uh, uh, gave me a, 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 a Xerox copy of the Hebrew uh, version of this, and I, I published a, a page uh, out of the manuscript with, our, with the triangle, with Solomon's triangle, and I published it in, as an exhibit in the Book of Solomon's Magic. And those of you who have it can look at that. And that, that is a, a, a Jewish... Uh, a Jewish version from the Renaissance period, a Jewish version of of uh, the of both of both the greater key and the lesser key, um, and uh, we haven't. We, as far as I know, we don't have an English translation of that yet. But that would be one to to, uh, to look at along with this uh, this Solomon's uh, hygromancy. And let me also mention that. That the, the Testament of Solomon, uh, which is another uh, very very old uh, grimoire, and that goes back to 300 A.D. easily, and uh, and that's another one that that uh, needs to be looked at along with these uh, along with these books. Um, now uh, let's let's switch over to uh, to Melchizedek here, because uh, we you know we mentioned the legend of Melchizedek. Uh, and uh, this is, uh, as I say, this was this uh, the original of this, which which they they don't reproduce. The, the one they they've got is not not is not the original, uh, but there's one similar to it or a knockoff on it. Uh, the original was attributed to Athanasius of Alexandria, and of course it's it's around 300, 300 and something A.D. Uh, so. Uh, 
it it takes a Christian it takes a Christian slant on Melchizedek. Well, that's understandable because Melchizedek, you know, Paul said three times I think that uh, Jesus was a priest after the order of Melchizedek, and so consequently, uh, uh, the Christian bishop of Alexandria was was anxious to to take a Christian, you know, to to write his own uh, little Old Testament. Uh, 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 allegedly Old Testament um, take on on uh, Melchizedek to support, uh, uh, you know, to support Paul's uh, statement about that. Um, and uh, it, 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 this thing is very interesting for a number of reasons. Even though it is written by uh, a Christian, a Christian bishop or was originally, supposedly, and it does support the Christian. It, 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 so it's a Christian document, really, even though it's it's supposed to be set way back in, in uh, uh, you know, before Solomon's time. Uh, but uh, uh, you want to talk a little bit about about some of the aspects of that, uh, Mike, that, that uh, you know, relate to uh, our, well, especially relate to our Solomonic tradition. Are you there? Mike, am I lost you? Your cell phone died? Uh-oh. Yeah, well, oh. Mike, uh, yeah. what, are you there? Yes, I'm here. Yeah, I can hear you now. I was just hoping your cell phone didn't die. Uh, no, I, I just I fell you... out of the queue. Uh, now, wh- oh, what's boy. really neat about um, Melchizedek uh, from this perspective now, a lot of these stories, they actually are. They're, they're actually um, – I, I looked at a number of these stories, and I recognized them as Jewish stories, like the uh, the Book of Zerubbabel. Um, the, uh, there's a Midrash. Um, there is um, the Eighth Book of Moses, which is definitely Jewish. Um, so um, there are there is more Jewish material in this um, than I originally thought. I agreed with you, but I started digging, so – uh, a lot of these books, though, just because the Christians were the ones to popularize them, they were writing books everywhere, it, it doesn't mean there wasn't a, a pre-Christian influence. And Melchizedek, he, he's really a fascinating character in our tradition because he was the first king of what was to become Jerusalem. And this is interesting from a, maybe a more Rosicrucian Christian perspective. Um, Melchizedek, um, he, he's sort of like... Um, He's sort of like uh, Isaac or, or, or Jesus. His parents try to sacrifice him but are unsuccessful. And um, the city that, that he's born in is destroyed, including his parents. And um, that's why he's called without father, without mother. So that story, a Jewish tradition actually gives Melchizedek parents. Um, but without yeah, father, without mother. Yeah, well, while you, wait, 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 let me, let me while you, before you leave that. There's also in the back of this book is is a, a, a very interesting uh, uh, wrap up of, of uh, biblical history uh, in the form of a uh, yeah kind of like the book of Jasser called the Cave oh, the of Treasures. Treasures. It's awesome. Yeah, and they have a, they have uh, several accounts of Melchizedek in there, and of course they give him a father and a mother and a genealogy and everything else. Uh, so right. this is yeah. So, so I just want to point that out. Now, go ahead and uh, continue with uh, with uh, Athanasius' version here. Yeah, uh, Melchizedek's presented as a sort of John the Baptist figure, and then Abraham is uh, this clean figure who comes, uh, you know, like Jesus did to this wild man in the desert. 
Abraham has, uh, I mean, Melchizedek, he's got scraggly grown out hair and a crazy beard like John the Baptist did. He's living on locusts and honey, something like that. He's just living off the land. So it fits in with a Rosicrucian tradition. Melchizedek uh, points to what Melchizedek is Abraham's John the Baptist. He's the the one who prepares the way for Abraham. Yep. And um, another thing that's interesting, we we have this character Melkart. Um, it's that's the same first uh, three letters of uh, Melchizedek's name and his father Melki. So uh, here's a tradition of of a temple that's coming down from um, from Tyre and Sidon uh, where they worshipped Melkart. There's a connection there. There's a connection oh, yeah. that people and. Um, and another thing that's interesting is Melkart is the Phoenician Hercules. Well, in Jewish yep. tradition, guess what Melchizedek's father's name is? It's it's a Judaized form of the name Hercules. It's Herculeum. Hercules, Herculeum. Or, or Her- Heracleum. Cause Her- I'm sorry, Her- Heracles, the Greek name, Heracleum. So that means there's, there's a connection between Melkart and Melchizedek. That's something that we're really going to be able to build on because there are... Um, Twelve gods in um, the, the Temple of Salem originally had twelve gods. To which yeah, I called it the Dodeca- were sacrificed. A dodecathon. Yeah, it was a dodecathon. Yeah. Yeah, so and, this, and, this whole idea of... Oh, go on, folks. No, I was going to say that that they they called it a, a dodecathon and 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 an eight-sided uh, or or twelve-sided uh, temple, but it. it uh, uh, it, it, it the temple of the entire, you know, the temple of Melkart entire, which Solomon's temple was obviously copied from, uh, had the uh, had the twelve beasts of the zodiac all the way around the temple, inside the temple. And, there you and, go. Uh, yeah. So here we have that replicated in in the in the legend in the uh, legend of Melchizedek, and uh, and this certainly relates to the. You know, both to the, to the Temple of Melkart and also the Temple of Solomon, and and uh, which which were uh, which were very very closely connected, and and uh, and also there's several other things too. You remember uh, 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 Melki, uh, uh, Melchizedek's father. He uh, he has uh, his uh, his his brother uh, is is they call. I think I think that that. that uh, Malcolm has a sense of humor, and in, in here he refers to to uh, uh, Melky to to, to uh, the king. The king is Melky, but his his other son is Melky Junior. Right, <laughs> Melky <laughs> Junior. And and anyway, and so so Melchizedek, um, uh, you know, so Milk so Melky Senior. Melky Sr. sends Melchizedek off to get seven seven calves. He says, go out to the herd, out to, you know, out to our cattle, and bring back seven calves, and we're going to sacrifice them to the seven, to the seven gods of the planets inside the temple. And, uh, and, and actually, by doing that, we'll, we'll sacrifice them to the, apparently to the 12 gods. Now, they can't make up their minds. Uh, um, uh, the editors of this thing can't make up their minds whether these are the twelve Olympian gods, 
uh, led by Kronos or whether they are uh, the twelve. Uh, uh, twelve signed beasts of the zodiac. They don't say they they don't or and then they then they come around and they kind of kind of seem to think that maybe the Olympian gods are that also represent the twelve beasts of the zodiac. They can't make up their minds on that. I think. That, I think uh, there might. I think there might be some truth to what you're mentioning. I I, I think that uh, the Greeks they they borrowed heavily from the Phoenicians. They got their alphabet from the Phoenicians. They got their writing oh, yeah. system from the Phoenicians. It only makes sense that they got they even say they got a lot of their religion from the Phoenicians. Sure. So I think what sure. we're doing is uh, we've kind of uncovered um not not only the source of, uh, of Christianity but of Greek mythology in a way too because um civilization existed in Phoenicia before it was big in Greece. Oh, of course. So of that course, means all these technologies cool. they they move yeah. towards Greece when they existed in Phoenicia yeah. first. Uh, all very close connections, and and uh, so what? But uh, uh, what we have is we we so little little Melchizedek goes out uh, to 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 get the cattle to, to get the calves to bring back to sacrifice to the uh, uh, to the either the twelve gods of the zodiac or the. Or the the seven wanderers, or whatever he wants to do, the seven. But he's bringing back seven cows, so obviously, or calves, supposedly. But while he's on the road, and this is interesting too, uh, it's like Paul on the road to Damascus, you know. So here goes here goes little Melchizedek out to bring in the cattle, to bring in the calves, and he has this vision out on the road, and the vision uh, is is from hell, from from the Most High God. The father of the gods. Uh, now, whether that uh, equates to Kronos in this respect or not, I'm not sure. But uh, he gets he gets uh, the vision. And he has a vision, and and uh, he determines. Uh, El tells him, "Well, you should sacrifice to me. You shouldn't sacrifice to uh, uh, to these uh, lower gods because I'm the creator of everything, and I'm the creator of them too. So I should be the one you sacrifice to." Well, uh, Melchizedek, of course, agrees with him. How can you disagree with God when he talks to you? So <laughs> he turns around, he turns around, and he goes back, and he doesn't bring the cattle. And and uh, <laughs> so this is kind of strange. I mean, this is sort of a glitch in the story here where he, he forgets to bring the cattle to sacrifice to El. So so he gets there, and his father says, well, where, where are the calves? And Melchizedek says, "Oh, Daddy, I said I've had." It. He says, "Father King, he said I've uh, listened to me. I've had a vision, and 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 God has come to me and and told me that, that we should sacrifice to Him and not to uh, and not to uh, the, the lesser gods because He's the Creator of all." And uh, of course, Melky, Melky Senior, Melky Senior gets really, really mad about this, and <laughs> and. Uh, and he says, "Okay, so that's the way you feel about it. We'll sacrifice you." Right. <laughs> and and uh, uh, so before he does this, though, he goes to uh, he goes to uh, to Salem, Melchizedek's uh, uh, mother and Milky Junior's mother too. And he he goes to to, to to Mama and and the King does, and he says, "Look," he said. Uh, uh, your son, <laughs> your son, Melchizedek, your son. he's kind of messed up our great sacrifice here, and this is the day we have to do that. We this is the great sacrifice. He's really messed it up, 
and I want to sacrifice. We're going to sacrifice either him or Milky Jr., one or the other. And and so which is it going to be? And 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 we'll draw lots. And and I he just and the king says, I know you like Melchizedek, and and I favor Milky Jr. But so what I'm naturally because he's he's you know my junior said so he says. Um, uh, we'll draw lots and we'll see. And, and if you win, then you get to keep Melchizedek and 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 and, and we'll sacrifice uh, you know we'll sacrifice Milky Junior. Sure enough, she wins. And so he has to so he has to sacrifice Milky Junior. And uh, along with but but as this as this progresses, uh, then somehow or other they end up sacrificing hundreds. Of, of children, apparently this gets to be a mania, and and uh, and uh, Milky Senior gets 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 everybody into the act, and they're all donating their children for sacrifice. This is getting really it really gets bizarre. And uh, population control at its finest. Yeah, well, that's uh, like Carthaginian type population control by a sacrifice. It gets it starts getting really bizarre at this point. In fact, I think I think that there are some. I think that there are some some uh, lacunae in the text that that because you know you got to fill this in you have to fill this in with something logical and and it's just not there so uh, but uh, so they apparently they have this big orgy of sacrifice including poor Milky Junior and Melchizedek uh, he loves his brother and he's horrified and and he goes uh, he goes off and he. And he uh, he goes off by himself, and he calls upon God, and and he says he says God, he says stop this, he says kill these people before they do this horrible thing, and and uh, and uh, God hears him, and dumps the whole village, not just. Uh, the people will be sacrificed. Everybody, mommy, daddy, the whole town goes kerwump. And 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 it's, you know, it's not a. If he, he doesn't sound like an earthquake, it sounds to me like a rerun of the Ubar situation. You know what I mean? Well, well you, you, you know, Polk, this actually, it, this relates to seven stories as its uh, potential source, uh, in addition to Ubar. Not only that, but think about, okay, you have Sodom and Gomorrah. whole city was destroyed, but you also have Herod. Yeah. What did he do? He kills all the children of Bethlehem, Christian stories. Yeah. So you, you can see that connection there. You have Abraham um, sacrificing Isaac, but there's also a Jewish legend of Terah trying to sacrifice his son, Abraham. And Abraham, um, and the reason that uh, Terah wants to do this is because Abraham has a vision of the greater El. Now, this takes yeah, us yeah. back to Sankuniathon. Sankuniathon actually lists two Els. One El yeah. is the greater El called El Elyon, and then there's the younger El who is identified with Kronos or Saturn. So what's happening is the older El saying, hey, I'm El the Compassionate. You need to worship me. You don't need to worship my grandson, El, who set up a sacrificing of your sons. And, of course, we have King Mesha. He sacrifices his son in, in front of the Israelites when they're about to attack him. And the Israelites are so horrified, they turn away and say, you know what? We don't want to mess with this guy if he's going to kill his own son in front of us. So um, we have a story here that's connected to a lot of other stories. 
It, oh, yeah. A lot right. of other patterns. And, and it connects yeah, sure. it into one story. And, and it's really awesome because here we have we have um, Sankuniathon's characters. Uh, we have the older L and his grandson L, who sacrifices his son Yehud. And uh, then we have uh, we have uh, we come down to Melkart, uh, who is um, uh, I think uh, L's one of L's sons or grandsons. I think he was Bal, so that's right. Uh, he he was uh, the younger L's nephew, but Bal was the great grandson of the older L. And then Bal was the father of Melkart, according to the Sanguiniathon. And, and then we have yeah. Melchizedek. Then we have uh, Joseph is important. And we have Solomon come down to John the Baptist and Jesus. So, yeah. so we have, now we have a whole connection that takes us all the way back to antiquity, all the way up to the time of Jesus Christ and Mary Magdalene. And, and we, have a, we, have the, we have now the key to revealing um, a complete Rosicrucian tradition that connects us to the, the Phoenicians. This is something that has not existed really uh, until right now here in the OTA. Absolutely. And before we, we get away from the, uh, the, uh, uh, the dumping of the city, uh, 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 you know, uh, you've been over to Israel. Uh, is, uh, uh, is, is Southern Galilee where Salem was supposed to be? Is that a karst area? What you say? Salem, and, uh, Salem is actually identical to Jerusalem. Well, it, it, it is in some sense, but not this one. In this one, they're saying that that, that, that it's in southern Galilee. And then, and then, and, you know, if you if you check the notes uh, in this legend of Melchizedek, they're not uh, they they don't they, they 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 say Salem was in southern Galilee, and then later. Apparently Jerusalem comes up, uh, you know, later after, after, uh, uh, after uh, uh, Abraham goes and rescues poor old Melchizedek from the from the from the mountains, you know, brings him back down. But uh, um, the uh, reason why I mentioned the the karst uh, topography thing is that's what happened to Ubar, and I'm wondering whether Ubar, whether whether the, what happened to Ubar kind of influenced the story a little bit because. Ubar, as you recall, that just the whole city, well, it wasn't a city, it was a little walled village, but the whole town just dropped into into the earth. The earth oh, opened up and it, yeah, it was a big sinkhole. And because their well, and they had their well, uh, you know, uh, over a great big uh, uh, underground cave, and and there was the well was a long drop down to the water table down below, and, uh, and they kept uh, you know taking more and more water out. And when the water table got low enough, got low enough, it could no longer support the archway, the arch of the dome, and the whole city just dropped into the sinkhole. You know, and that's well, what happened to Ubar. And I'm just wondering south if of that, Galilee, that that puts it in a, a, a particularly interesting geographical location. That actually puts it uh, a likely a good likelihood. It actually puts it in the huge valley of Megiddo, and I saw that over in Israel. And it's it's a very very fascinating location because so many wars have been fought in, in the huge flat plain valley of Megiddo. Oh yeah. Um, what's amazing is it is a beautifully green valley, and it probably always has been. 
And um, a, a lot of battles have been fought here, probably because it was just such a beautiful piece of land. One thing people think about Israel, which is totally incorrect, is that it's a desert. It's not. It's very, very green, except for the Dead Sea. You have the Sinai Peninsula, which is obviously a desert. And we get so many pictures of these particular areas because of our fascination with the Dead Sea Scrolls and the whole Exodus story takes place in, um, in, in the Sinai Peninsula. But Israel or Canaan is actually an extremely green land. It uh, reminds me of pictures of Ireland. I remember when I was there, I took a mental note. I said, is there a, foot of, is there a square foot of this land that's not green? It's green everywhere. It's, it's absolutely amazing. So uh, the temptation that these guys had is um, you hear the stories of Abraham and, and Lot. Lot takes the beautiful green land where all the Canaanites are dwelling, where there's a lot of temptation and it looks like easy living probably able to get a lot of good wells in the valley, even though the best wells you can get are actually in the hillside. Um, So you have Ubar, they're taking the easy way out, which is getting water the easy way, which is just to go straight into the ground uh, on a flat surface, a huge flat plain, whereas it's safer to do it on a hill. I don't know if I'm finding uh, something out there or not, but I might be onto something. Well, you know, what's happening right now, of course, and, and, and it's interesting you should mention this 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 hill thing. Uh, these uh, these uh, uh, Jewish settlements uh, that that are being uh, being uh, you know erected in what is essentially Palestinian land. Uh, the uh, Palestinians are complaining, and I think with some justification, that uh, that the Israelis are taking their water. And you know that's uh, that that uh, yeah that's a strong possibility because uh, they got these 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 settlements are built on hilltops and they have a long their well their 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 wells are long drop down to the water table and they're um, they're they're sucking up the water you know that that uh, the the uh, uh, and and. So as I said, the reason why I, I said, said the Ubar thing might have had some some influence on this is because uh, the the disappearance of Ubar was directly related to uh, to to their well. And, uh, well, maybe that means that Ubar might have been the original Salem. Now wait a minute, Ubar, the original Salem. Uh, what, what time period was Ubar? I'm not familiar with. Oh, Ubar, Ubar was down. U, Ubar is down uh, a little bit north of Yemen, uh, and okay. down in Arabia Felix, and and it uh, Ubar is, was it's it's mentioned in the Arabian Nights, and it's also uh, it's also uh, has its own it has its own legend, and it was it was a, a you know it was a pre uh, a pre Muslim uh, uh, pagan city. And it was a trade uh, center, and supposedly, uh, uh, well, according to the, the legend, actually, of, of Ubar's destruction uh, was grew up or after after Muhammad, and uh, 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 just so nobody thinks we're taking his name in vain, you're supposed to say peace be unto him. So we will, uh, and and. Um, the idea was that uh, <coughs> Ubar, full of wicked people, wicked pagans, you know, <laughs> uh, blacklisted Sabaeans. Anyway, uh, <laughs> the, 
they they right. they were they were so wicked that uh, that that their city uh, fell into the you know fell into the earth, and which it literally did, and and that's been proven, and, and we we've uh, you know for long for years 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 they they thought that the Subar was just a legend, but then satellite pictures finally confirmed exactly where it was and what really happened and a little bit a little bit of archaeology and and they realized that it is just literally fallen into its own well <laughs> you know it uh and I, and as i say this what happens here to to salem in the legend of melchizedek does sound a lot like ubar well then they were uh, probably doing the same thing they were probably dwelling into they were probably drilling uh building the, digging these holes into the ground and and all of a sudden um the, the city just couldn't support itself. Yeah. And uh, down it went. But anyway, regardless of that, Melchizedek uh, had prayed. He had prayed uh, to, to God, to El, to uh, to punish uh, these people, obviously his father and, and the people that were doing all the sacrificing. And instead of that, uh, El got so disgusted that he dropped the whole city. And Melchizedek, <laughs> Then, according to this, to the legend, occasionally he becomes horrified and he loses his mind because he feels like he's responsible for all this. And in a sense, I guess he was if he prayed to hell and hell did it. So, so he goes off, he runs off into the mountains, into the forested mountains, and uh, and becomes a um, a hermit and lets his beard grow and his fingernails grow and everything, and then. Uh, <laughs> Uh, sometime later, after he's been for a couple of years living on, you know, like like you said, like John the Baptist, except he's he's up in a forested mountain. Uh, uh, then sometime later, Abraham is is on the march, uh, coming from Haran, I guess, and uh, and Abraham has a has a vision. God comes to Abraham and says, "Hey, Abraham." You know, go on, uh, go on up to this mountain when you get to, to get to the to Israel. Go on up to this, on up this mountain and into this woods, this forested woods, and cry out, "Man of God, man of God, man of God!" And then, and then this, uh, this, this uh, hermit will, will will appear, and and what you do is you're going to shave his shave his beard and, and cut his fingernails and and uh, take him back to civilization and rehabilitate him. And uh, so and then he'll give you his blessing. And so Abraham does all this. He goes up to the, and you know, he cries out, Man of God, until finally Melchizedek comes out from behind the rock and and uh, and says, Who, me? <laughs> and Abraham says, Yeah, I, I guess you're it. And, and well, you know he's not Milky Junior, <laughs> so so anyway, uh, uh, so Abraham cleans him up, takes him back down to civilization, and then Melchizedek, uh, after he gets back to civilization, Melchizedek, I guess I suppose is given, uh, you know, given some kind of uh, dispensation because then he gives Abraham the blessing and the communion and the bread and the wine, and. Uh, and makes Abraham blessed by the one. Well, that's the, that's essentially uh, Athanasius's version of the story. Now, uh, but you're right that it certainly does parallel Jesus and John the Baptist, 
And right. and it yeah, absolutely. And uh and I'm sure that that uh Athanasius probably intended it to do exactly that. Now uh there's a couple of other uh, uh articles in this uh, in this compendium that uh I think we ought to mention uh while we're at it. One of them is the uh, um both of them involve treasure. And these are real Indiana Jones kind of kind of documents. Uh, one of them is uh, uh, about the uh, the treasures of Solomon's temple, the first temple, and how they are hidden in various hiding places right before Solomon's temple is is captured and destroyed. Now this is the kind of thing that that set the Templars off, as you know, and they're digging under Solomon's temple back during the Middle Ages. And uh, I'm just wondering whether or not the Templars had a, a version of this, of this particular one. Uh, what it, uh, I'm looking the table of contents now so I get the, the title of this particular thing. Uh, uh, do you, you don't recall the title of it right off hand? Let's see. Uh, let's see, there's Cave of Treasures. The, the one you're talking about it has vessels in the title. Yeah, it's uh wait a minute. Um uh, uh the Treaties of the Vessels. The Treaties of the Vessel, you're right. Yeah. The Treaties of the Vessels. That's the one. And um uh, and um I'm just wondering if the treatise when how how old is the treatise of the vessels? What uh, uh um. Uh. Three ninety three, page three ninety three. Reason why I'm asking that is I'm wondering if this is what if this if this thing existed back um, back before the eleven hundreds. Then oh, it, it does. could have it, been it, it is, got um, the temples all fired up to do all their archaeology under the temple. Uh, its latest composition would have been 762 A.D. Well, there you its go. Its latest composition. That's that's it, then. This is what set the Templars off. Yeah, you know, because it were... refers to Baghdad in a way that uh, is referenced Caliph, the, the Caliph of the Abbasids, al-Masur, in 762. It says okay, it is possible is... that the geographical name of Baghdad uh, refers to Baghdad, in which case the text may have been written after the city was founded. Yeah. By the Abbasid Caliph Al Masur in 762. Okay, um, Dan Brown and the Indiana Jones fans, here's a treasure map for you. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> now uh, the other the other one that, that uh, I'd like to talk about is is sure enough our good old uh, cave of treasures. And oh, that's uh, a beautiful text. I'm glad you turned me on to that because this thing is full. You don't know. There, there's just so much to go through. Oh, that is that cave of treasures is wonderful. It reminds me, though, as I said, it it really does remind me of the Book of Jasser. It's one of oh, those. Oh yeah, it's, it's one of those dependent on. We're going to tell you. We're going to give you the. We're going to give you the inside story of what uh, of what the Old Testament's all about, kind of things, you know. What's neat is it refers to some of those Jasher stories, but it also puts them in a Rosicrucian context. So, so we have a lot of material here where we're, we can really tap into um, 
our uh, our our Rosicrucian roots, which is, it's it's really it, there's so much in this text that's just going to be absolutely amazing for us to pour through and to glean from. We're going to be having fun with this text, Pope, for years. Oh yeah, I can see that, and this this is uh, this is really great. But they have another one coming out uh, very shortly. Uh, they have, uh, as I say, they got another one coming out, and they're going to have more more on Joseph and Asenath. And of course, we can we can compare that to uh, the version that um, that um, um, uh, Jacob. Uh, um, uh, Jacob Bocovici or whatever it, it has in his lost gospel, uh, and and then uh, they have uh, a couple more titles that, are, that they're going to that they're going to be be coming up with uh, in the in the next one. Um, and um, now you said they had one before this that that uh, yeah that he, um, that has that, a. Yeah. Uh, I, I should have recommended you get them, but I've only recently saw the connection, and that is, uh, I, I would get volume one and two uh, of the original book, um, which is Old Testament Pseudepigrapha. That, that's all that it's called. It's not called more t- non-canonical text. It doesn't have a subtitle. That yeah. is the original story that our uh, lost gospel, our coded message was overlaid. That's the original story, and it was written between 200 B.C. and 200 A.D., it is the Jewish original, um, and it probably goes back – it has roots in it that are probably older because even though it's evidently Jewish, it has no reference to the temple, and that is something that a Jewish author would do. And the fact that they left it out means that they're referring to an older period of time. Um, also, Joseph, what makes him so fascinating is he is the favored son of Jacob or Israel, and – He's also he's the lead tribe of the northern tribes of Israel, and we know that at least two of those tribes, Asher and Naphtali, were in what was definitely at the time they lived there, Phoenician territory. No ifs, ands, or buts. Dan, uh, northern Dan, Naphtali, and Asher were part of Phoenicia. They were under uh, they were under Tyre. They um, were not really under. Um, uh, Jerusalem. They might have had some affiliation um, with Jerusalem, but um, this means that Joseph really is a a Phoenician um, forefather um, that's very important in our our Phoenician or Canaanite tradition. Yeah, that now that that had not that particular aspect of it hadn't occurred to me, but but you're right. Uh, So that it, yeah, well, you know. we can't say though that uh, uh, that uh, um, Genesis. Well, could we say Genesis is an El- is an El- Elohim book or or is it a Yahweh book? What would you call it? Um. Well, here's the interesting thing about that. There's um. There, there's four layers that that um that the, that the uh, five books of Moses were written in. You have the the, the Yahweh's tradition in the south, which was the first one. But the Yahweh in there, he's not uh, he, he's capricious, but but he's sort of like Baal, but he's not um, he's not this austere, extremely vindictive, extremely rule oriented um, God that was developed around the time of, or actually by Ezra. I won't say around the time of Ezra; it was developed by Ezra. Uh, the second um, layer, which is throughout Genesis, is the L layer. 
yeah. that, that's everywhere. Um, yeah. So, and Joseph, uh, whenever Joseph is spoken of extremely favorably, it is in the El tradition. It is El or Elohim. That that's what God is referred to. And there's two different writing styles, but uh, one of the key distinguishing marks, and there's many, but one of the key distinguishing yeah. marks is in Genesis. If it's a if it's associated, if it's something the tribe of Joseph would have written, uh, they use the name Elohim, uh, which is an extension of El. If it's yeah. um, the, the 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 Judah tribe's tradition, they use Jehovah or Yahweh. Yeah. So yeah. El is the God of Joseph. Elohim is the God of Joseph. Yeah. So yes, uh, all the stories about Joseph are actually they're virtually all of them are El well, stories. That. Now that that right there is is a revelation. That 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 is um, you just uh, reestablish yourself as 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 the resident prophet around here with that one. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for that one. Now we're just about out of time. Next week. Next week another big show, like Ed Sullivan used to say, because next week we're going to reveal Dan Brown's Inferno <laughs> and with a little bit of Dante thrown in and along with that we're also going to uh we're going to revisit H. G. Wells Men Like Gods and uh and we're going to discuss transhumanism, the transhumanist movement and all sorts of interesting stuff. And so be sure and tune in next week and tell your friends that are that are interested in, in the population explosion and 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 uh how to build a better how to build a better man and, and all the rest of that uh, sort of stuff related to that to tune in with you and we'll see you next week and until then good magic. <laughs>